Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. And Ben is always with me on this podcast. It's been, what, 70 some odd episodes now? This is episode 74, I think. Okay, so 74 episodes, and we're still doing the same thing we did when we started this podcast. And we, we, used... s- we still barely know each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we do know a lot about cars, I think, because we use this podcast to kind of get everything that's going on on our mind, uh, off our mind, and into the podcast, into your speakers or earphones or however you listen to this podcast. I also want to say that today's a very special day for a very special certain Sammy Hajisad because today is the day that uh, someone is coming to Canada to join him forever. In yes, our... my fiance is is arriving in uh, in just a, well just a few hours of us recording. So forever uh, I'm very starts. Excited. Forever starts this afternoon, everyone. <laughs> Uh, forever's gonna start tonight. Exactly. We, do we have rights to that? No, we don't. And now we have oh, to no. restart the recording. But it's worth <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe we can afford the Nikki French version from the 90s. Okay, perfect. Well, if we can't, we might as well just uh, move on into the podcast and see what happens here. Because we've got some pretty cool cars and trucks to talk about this week. Ben, what were you driving uh, recently. Well, I want to start out with a vehicle that we actually both had some experience with over the last seven days, and that's the Volvo S90 T8. Volvo S90 T8. Now, this is a very, this is a large vehicle. They've made it bigger than before. It is big. Uh, I think by four inches, they've improved the, they've increased the wheelbase. Well, I mean, the S90 was had been out of the lineup for a super long time, so it's, it's, I guess, you know, modern standards, everything's gotten bigger, so the S90 has definitely followed that, but it's, it's in the same class as what you would say lengthwise, a Lexus LS or a Genesis G90. It's, it's that big kind of executive top of the line sedan. And now the T8 denotes the fact that this car doesn't just have a twin-charged two-liter four-cylinder engine, but it also has some hybrid elements as well. Yeah, so uh, Volvo's done this thing now where every car, well, almost every vehicle is is four cylinders, and it has a turbocharger and a supercharger, and the way they're differentiating, so I think the T6 version of the the S90 has just those two things. I I say just those two things, like it's not (laughs) somehow intense to have a (laughs) twin-charged engine. But um, in order to justify a higher cost, better performance, and standard all-wheel drive, the T8 comes with a pair of electric motors. So there's a, it's a, believe, a single motor that's between the transmission and the engine. And then there's another motor that powers uh, the rear axles. Is that correct, Sammy? I believe so, yeah. So, I'm, uh, I'm actually trying to get a little bit more information on it as we speak. So, uh, excuse me. <laughs> I just can't remember exactly which axle. But it's, it's that kind of system where the electric motor only kicks in if you put it in all-wheel drive mode or if the vehicle detects that you need all-wheel drive or if you want higher performance. So, yeah, the mm-hmm. electric motor, is it's it has a 10.4-kilowatt lithium-ion battery pack that handles everything. That that electric motor that's between the engine and the transmission, that's to start up the motor and turn it off because it has a very aggressive start-stop system, as you would expect from mm-hmm. a plug-in hybrid. Uh, other interesting things about the car, that battery gives it 21 miles of range, and you can mm-hmm. drive up to 78 miles per hour. Now, a lot of the time... That's kind of a a, a a moving target, that top mm-hmm. speed number, because it really depends on how hard you accelerate, whether you're going up a hill, whether you're passing. There's a lot going on. Even if you have something like, I don't know, say climate control or something on, yeah. you can, that can trigger the that gas engine to, to turn on as well. But I will say this. Uh, I've spent a full week in the car almost, and I've been able to do all of my driving in, in battery mode. 
That's pretty impressive. Now, I've done pr almost the opposite, and I've driven it mostly in the hybrid mode, uh, as well as the power mode, which uh, which helps to deliver as much power that this car has uh, onto the road. And let me tell you, it's a lot of power. Uh, it's a very quick car. I think it's well over 400 horsepower. Is that, it's, is well, that it's, it's four and a half seconds to 60. Um, yes. That's generally what people are getting out of it. But <laughs> that's it's, so quick. So you, well, you're taking the 316 horsepower from the T6, like just the four cylinder alone, and then you're adding. I think the front motor is like 46 horses, and the rear motor is 87 and 177 pound feet of torque. So combined through the magic of hybrid drivetrains, that's 400 horsepower and 472 pound feet of torque. That's right, and that torque really—that's what you really feel. Sorry, I shouldn't have said. Um, I shouldn't have talked about the power. It's the torque that really surprises me. The way that this car gets to highway speeds um, is really impressive, Ben. Have you noticed this? I know you've been saying you've been driving it mostly in the EV mode. Yeah, but even so. EV mode is pretty quick. And and it, you know, the other thing that's surprising is it's super heavy. It's forty-seven hundred mm -hmm. pounds. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's able to get twenty-one miles of range. And I've honestly not run out of battery range yet. Like, I, I've just been plugging it in at home on a 110-volt alternating current. I don't have a, a level 2 charger at home. And I'm mm -hmm. able to keep it topped up to the point where it's really not an issue. So uh, I'm very impressed with that. It's 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 a good like, – if you live in a city especially, you probably won't use gas unless you're really hammering the engine. But there, there's a few other things about the car, the drivetrain itself – that aren't that great. And Sammy and I have been arguing about this all week because he has the <laughs> same car and we don't really get along. We just get along for the podcast. Uh, we're keeping it just together. For about, just for about 45 minutes a week. We're we, keeping uh, it together for the kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, there's, there's, there's a bunch of drive modes for the, X, for the, for the S80. So you mm -hmm. have uh, all-wheel drive mode, which is like basically snow mode. You have right. pure mode, which is their EV-only mode. Mm -hmm. There's hybrid mode, which is exactly like it sounds, and then there's power mode, which Sammy was talking about before, where just like it uses the battery up quickly if you want to, it throws out all the car cards on the table, and it accelerates really quickly. Yeah. The problem is you can't really move between the modes. It it doesn't. There's a Volvo has this super weird. It feels like a it's like a metal barrel that rolls in the in the center console. It's a roller, and you tap it and yeah. roll it. And yeah. I, it it's so strange. I mean, I don't it know. Is my actually my issues with it not only is selecting or switching between gears i mean uh, drive modes but um after you select a drive mode that selection stays on the screen for an extremely oh, long time we're gonna yeah we're gonna talk a little bit later about things staying on the screen too long oh, I, I, that's okay. a very definite point that i want to make but getting back to the drive modes let's say you just started the car and you want to go into hybrid mode, or you want actually, sorry, hybrid's the default. So if you want to mm -hmm. go into pure mode, which is the EV mode, so you hit the little weird thing, the screen pops up, and you can either scroll with the thing and select it, or you can touch it on the screen and select it. I have mm -hmm. the scroller's a little weird. Sometimes I accidentally select the first mode, which is all-wheel drive. As soon mm -hmm. as you do that, the engine comes on, the gas engine. Yeah, because it wants to, it wants to power. It wants the party. Wheels. It wants the party yeah. in the snow. So I'm like, okay, fair enough, Volvo, but I want EV mode. So then I hit pure mode. Nothing happens. The engine, Nothing ha the engine, the engine stays, stays on. on. And I'm like, what the hell? Then I hit well, hybrid. Yeah, you Hold up. I mean, it's understandable. You hit the all-wheel drive mode, and that just fires up all of these parts of the car. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's time to party in the snow. Wait, what? He's changing his mind? No, we're we're all warmed up. No, here. but see, no. Here's the thing: I run the show, not the Volvo. That's <laughs> the Volvo is subservient to my driving needs, and 
that doesn't seem to be the case. So then you hit hybrid mode and you think, oh, maybe hybrid mode will turn off the motor because we're stopped and in park. <laughs> but no, that doesn't happen. And this has happened a few times. If you're driving, it's the same thing. If you change driving modes while you're driving, you can't go back into EV mode. There's another aspect of EV mode where it, it'll kick off in a few different situations. One is if you go above 78 miles an hour, you can't just be on battery. Fair enough. If you hit the gas super hard and you want to accelerate, it detects that maybe it's a dangerous situation or maybe you're street racing and you need more power. So it gives you all the power, turns on the motor. And then if it's really, really cold out, like wintertime and it needs to power up a warm system, it'll turn the motor on. But in each of those scenarios, you can't go back to EV mode. You can't go back to pure mode. It keeps the motor on indefinitely until you turn the car on and off. And that is super frustrating because I can't think of another uh, plug-in hybrid that uh, that features the same type of behavior. Can you, Sammy? No, I can't. And I just think it's funnier the fact that it gives you all, like a bunch of options and uh, they seem inconsequential. That's uh, that's opposite yeah. of what that's a, usually. That's a good word for it. It's totally like it just minimizes. Oh, you your... want this mode? Well, we'll see about that. <laughs> and 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 I, 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 it's too bad because the the pure mode works really well. I mean, mm. I like it. And it's it's quiet and it's quick. And um, the car—it's not a lot. It's not super fun or sporty to drive. It's a—it really feels like an executive limo. Yeah, uh, I think like I was it, talking about the A6 a few weeks ago or last week. It feels a little bit on par with that. Maybe bigger though. Well, um, and I'll, if you, I'll admit that. Like you said, like the dynamics and you put it in power mode and it's quick in a straight line. But like at a corner, like when it the road gets a bit bumpy, you start to really feel the huge size of the car. It's not. And this is this. I had a weird thought today when I was driving around just before the podcast. I almost like this drivetrain better in the XC90 because okay. the XC90 doesn't really make you think you need to drive in a sporty way. But yeah. the the S90, it, it's, it looks good. It looks sharp. It gets a lot of attention, although I think some of that attention is because I'm continually driving around with the battery charge port open because I, I pull the cable out and then I forget because I, I don't know why. <laughs> like I always close the gas cap on cars, but when it comes to power, I don't do it. Um, That's odd. Okay. Yeah, it is weird, and it lights up at night, so everyone's looking at it. But right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the XC90 is almost served better by this motor. Okay, there's a couple of things though I want to talk, uh, and I agree with you. I think that this motor and this car are 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 a good fit, but not the best fit. I think you're right. The XC90 just holds back the uh, the sporty pretensions of the of the sedan. That it just looks like a like a sportier car. And you know what? When Volvo delivers that, I think it's called the Polestar One. It has a lot of the design cues of the S90, but with two doors and will be a full electric car as well. So I think that's going to do the, the the part really well. And the S90 is just way too big and way too way too heavy and just doesn't feel like a sporty car when you try to push it hard. Um, but I have some other things I want to discuss. The braking in this car is really um, inconsistent. I do not enjoy the brakes in this car. Um, I feel every time I brake, I get a different reaction than the last time I, uh, I, I pressed the brake pedals. See, I, I didn't have that happen in my car, so I'm wondering if maybe your car has seen a little more wear. Mine's got about 5,000 miles on it. Okay, mine has uh, maybe eight or nine, I believe. And uh, yeah, I know that people in Toronto are just harder on cars. Isn't that the case, Sammy? Isn't it a more cutthroat, business-oriented, success-driven <laughs> environment? Isn't that what Toronto is all about? I, I, yeah, you, you've got to, you've got to be cutthroat in order to make it here in Toronto. And the roads are just brutal like that too. You just, it's, it's there, it's, it runs red with the, with the blood of, with the blood the of the hesitant. Yes. <laughs> um, 
There's some things I want to talk. I need to talk to you about though about this car. How about the gear selector? Have you have you used the gear selector? The in this gear car? selector. Of course you have. The gear selector is terrible. Not in the sense, and and I mean that in the full sense of the word terrible. Um, not because the transmission is bad or because the physical appearance or or motion of the sensor on the shifter is bad, but because you have to shift twice every single every time. time. Every, so <laughs> if you're in if you're in park and you want to get to drive, you have to go. Tick for neutral, tick for drive. If you want to go yeah. to reverse from drive, tick for neutral, tick for reverse in the other direction. Mm-hmm. If you pull back once, there's no full, like, you know, in any other shifter almost, there's a like a sweeping motion, right, where you get from yeah. one gear to the other. Volvo An indentation, fo- right? Like, yes. Yeah. It, Volvo forces you through neutral every yeah, single time. Yeah, it's like a motorcycle it's, or a race car. It's like a sequential gearbox. Oh, it's so much to. like a race car. <laughs> okay, but you know what is amazing about this car is but, the but, rear but, but seats. Before we go on, I oh, want to explain okay. why that's a problem. Because it might seem like, oh, I'm a Volvo owner, I'll get used to it. Here's the thing. If you're in a parking space and you shift it into reverse and to back up and then you crank the wheel left to pull out from a parallel space and you think you've shifted into drive but you haven't, you're just going to be sitting there revving the engine when the gap in traffic appears. And if you're in or a the situ- electric motors, and yeah, nothing happens. So it's 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 really frustrating because there's been situations where I need to get out of the way or I I've timed my parking in a certain way and I I just sit there grinding my gears doing nothing and that's frustrating. Yeah, it's definitely not the kind of car you want for a getaway driver because you'll be like clicking back and forth between reverse and and drive all the time and neutral and drive. Um, but you got to talk to me about these back seats. They're huge. I can they have a party huge. in the back seat for sure. Well, I, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't have made what kind of, it depends what kind of party, I suppose. Well, we'll, I guess we'll see later uh, at the airport, but, um, the, what, what I've noticed is, and, and I wanted to live up to my cliche that, uh, Sammy's been tagging me for over the last few, I, I managed to move a full set of WRX wheels. Oh, in, what a surprise. Some inside, more tires in, in, what? inside the car? Inside the car because the trunk is so tiny. You can only fit one rim. And these are only 16-inch rims. You can only fit one okay. rim in the trunk because I guess the battery's there. I was not happy with the trunk. But the back seats make up for it. They're so huge. You put, you put the rest of the three tires in the back seat? No, I put two of them and then I put one of the other ones in the front seat. Don't worry, oh. Volvo. I was careful with the car. They were wrapped in clean bags. There was no damage or anything like that. Uh, and I'll be moving them again later today. Because oh, my right. life is essentially just moving tires from A to B. But I also moved a full electronic drum kit in the back seat nice. that I picked up this week. So I, there's just so much potential for back seat shenanigans. And potentially, you know, if there's an Uber for moving, this is the car that you want. <laughs> that's a great that's a great service, uh, a moving service that's uh, like a car sharing, a truck sharing as well. Um, let's finish this up. Do you know how much the S90 T8 um, will set you back? Let me check because yes, I do have that number. It is not cheap. Uh, it starts the the S ninety I think starts at around fifty thousand, but uh, once you hit the T eight, you're starting to add a lot of cash. I mean, my car had things like the the Bow, Bowers and Wilkins sound system, which is like thirty two hundred bucks. Um, I think if you're at an inscription model, you're around eighty five thousand dollars, which is like the top tier version of the car. Right. The the base model, the base model of the T eight, um, it's called Momentum. It's $63,000 before um, delivery. Okay. So the, the T6 is around 50. Yeah. Okay. Wait, then, you know, there's one more thing I want to mention. Uh, you were talking about things taking over the screen. So yeah. I don't like Census. Census is the, the name Volvo gives to their infotainment system. We've talked about it a bunch of times in the past. I'm not really going to go into it now. Just that, you know, small fonts, lots of menus, it's not intuitive. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with the S90 is if you're parking and the parking cameras come on, they never turn off. 
So and yeah. And if, if you pull into your spot and you're done and you're in park and there's a song on the radio that you like and you want to see the name of that song, there's no way to get to the radio. It's impossible. Even if you turn the car off, it doesn't turn off the parking sensors. Mm-hmm. And you just have the video display of the area around the car. And this will happen too. Let's say you pull out of a spot and you're in low speed traffic, but you want to change the radio or hit navigation. Yeah. You can't do it until you until, go above a certain speed. Yeah, until the car says it's time for you to change or to, That's to look at this stuff. You have to turn off. I found that you have to turn off the um, the parking sensors of the cameras. Um, the autom- they, there's an automatic sensor that allows those to show up. And I, I hate doing that because I know that the next time I park, I'm going to need those features yeah, back exactly. on. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's, there's no reason for it, basically. Yeah. So that's a pretty – I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting car and a, and a very – um, a very interesting powertrain. Again, Volvo is really killing it with these powertrains. These two-liter four-cylinder engines are in everything, uh, almost everything, and um, twin-charged with an electric powertrain. It works. And honestly, that's the least, um, the least, I have the least I have to complain about the car, the powertrain. Would you say that the same? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't have a ton of complaints about the car. I think we enumerated them earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what, what what else have you driven this week? So I actually returned a MX-5 earlier this week, um, a soft top version of the MX-5, and it had a brand new dark cherry red roof. And uh, this is interesting because usually when you get a Roadster, you don't want to put the roof up because, you know, it's a Roadster. I want to, I want to drive around with the roof down. That's the whole point of the thing. But with a car that has a brand new roof, I needed to test it with the roof up. And um, there's some interesting things to, to talk about here. Specifically, it looks great with this dark cherry um, roof. And that's really cool because this is a car that we thought we've known for the past few years. The the MX-5, or the Miata as it's better known, hasn't changed all too much in the past uh, two years, I would say. Um, no big revelations there, but it just looks something special with this red roof. Um, I'll add there's one thing that kind of bothered me about the the MX-5, and this is a huge contrast to what usually people say about the MX-5. It's uh, it's a very popular car, especially with automotive enthusiasts. It's sporty, it's fun, it's extremely lightweight, it's affordable. But one thing absolutely blew my mind, and it's the blind spot monitoring system in the MX-5. So first of all, when the roof is up, the blind spot monitoring is somewhat useful because the uh, the soft top really um, hinders your rear wood visibility. And even if you set the mirrors up, you you will feel a little claustrophobic and you'll want to know what's going on around the car. However, with the roof down, you can usually see what's going on. No problem. You just look around. You just swivel your head. It's, it's easy. And the car is so small that it can zip in and out of traffic. No problem. And you can see its dimensions very well. But with that blind spot monitoring, it's a little too conservative. And it feels like the car is is anticipating you cutting off somebody even though you've given them almost two car lengths worth of space. And I'm and as a result, every time you change lanes or signal a lane change, it is beeping at you, even though you clearly have more than enough space to make your, right, your so, lane change. So two questions. One, is it standard? Uh, no, it's, it's uh, dependent on the trim level. Can I turn it off? Yes. So that's what, again, going back to what we said about the Volvo, this is a feature that I want um, somewhat when the roof is up, um, because I think it, it has some some value there. But what I have to remind myself to turn it off every time I, I, I drop the roof as well. It, it, it's a very easy fix. Uh, you should never drive a Miata with the roof up, with the roof uh, in place. 
it should always be down, and that way you can just turn off the blind spot monitoring, and it's not a problem. Uh, so then that that brings up a whole other thing. Why would they give it a, a special dark cherry roof if we're never going to see it? Because some people live in places like Phoenix, Arizona, where they feel the need to own a convertible, but the reality is you can't actually own a convertible there without dying of heat exposure. <laughs> well, you can drive it at night. It's like mm -hmm. a friend of mine. A friend of mine lives in Miami, and um, he explained it to me this way. He said that. That coupes are for cruising during the day and convertibles are for cruising during the night. Like that's that's how it works there because it's just right. too hot in the daytime to have the top down. So I guess in those very specific situations, um, <coughs> you might question why you have a Miata at all, especially in Florida, which has no corners. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I you know like the color of the top. I guess it's like a cool novelty, but I am and it looks good in your garage. But I would never have the roof up on my Miata. I never, when I owned one, the roof was never up. Even in the rain on the racetrack, the roof was down. So there you go. Uh, that's just one. That's just one use case example, though, Ben. And I think other people are going to want to have their roofs up. Um, that's the whole point of a convertible. Otherwise, the car wouldn't have a, have a roof at all. Yeah, I don't think it does need a roof. Take the roof out, and it's lighter. <laughs> I think that's insane, but okay. There's nothing insane about wanting a light car, Sammy. I know. And it is, it's getting tougher and tougher to get a lightweight car. I mean, this thing, it, honestly, it's impressive how lightweight this is. It's 2,300 pounds. That's, that's amazing by today's standards. Now, what else uh, have you been driving this week, Ben? Well, the week before, I had the new 2018 F-150. <laughs> oh, what F-150? Sorry, should I, should I say that again? Because your cough obliterated everything I said. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, uh, the 2018 F-150. Now, the, 20, the 2018 F-150, let me guess. 2018 F-150. Let me guess, you moved how many sets of tires with this car? I moved two sets of tires with that car, Sammy. Of course Sammy. you did. And uh, how, what, was the, what was the tire moving experience for you? It was just as good as in the S90, I can tell you that. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> the S90 had the advantage of the tires won't get wet because yes. they're inside. <laughs> uh -huh. But uh, so the F-150 has been somewhat refreshed for 2018, Sammy, is that correct? I believe so. You got the uh, I'm not 100 percent sure on the F-150. In fact, uh, my truck knowledge is subpar. I'll, I'll admit well, it right here. There's a so the version I had is the 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6. It comes with a 10-speed automatic. Mm -hmm. um, the I believe the interior is is somewhat refreshed. The exterior is somewhat refreshed, and uh, the engine itself gains 25 horsepower. I think. Nice. Which yes. engine is this? This is the 2.7 liter twin turbo yeah. V6, right? So you get um, I believe. It's 121 horsepower per liter if you're into that kind of thing. Um, okay. Yeah, well, That's some a very people, arbitrary measurement, Ben. Some people are super into that. Oh, uh, are those people fans of Ward's Auto? Uh, well, Ward's Auto did did give it an EcoBoost uh, Twin Turbo V6 award in their 10 best engines. Uh, um, I actually don't think it has more horsepower this year. I think it just might have more torque. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm, I'm having trouble finding exact numbers because some outlets are claiming one thing, some are claiming another. But Ward's, which is what we're going to go to, 325 horses and 400 pound-feet of torque. That's so that's a, that's a lot of power. It's a lot of power. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, and it's, close to, it's close to the V8 version of the truck. There's a 5-liter V8. That's 395 horsepower, um, and it, I believe the torque numbers are very, very close. But the, what's interesting is the 5.3 liter V8 in the Silverado produces less torque than the 2.7 now. Mm -hmm. And I think they added um, twin injection on the car, uh, on the engine, sorry, for this year. That's where the, the extra grunt is coming from. Anyway, I've always liked the 2.7. I feel like there's no real need to switch up to the 3.5 liter EcoBoost, the the big, more powerful EcoBoost, which I think is 400 horsepower, 425 horsepower, and 450 pound-feet of torque, something like that. Mm -hmm. It does uh, a fine job. Um, 
it's less expensive. I think the fuel mileage is very similar. Neither of these engines get great fuel. Like uh, uh, I've noticed the fuel mileage while towing in, in a 2.7 V6 or the EcoBoost is similar to what you would get in my dad's truck, which has a 5 liter V8 when he's towing. Okay. So under load, they're very, very similar. I think maybe if you baby it around town, you're going to get better fuel mileage. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just generally, it's a good option. I, I would take the V8, but I like the 2.7. Uh, the rest of the truck is fine. It's very comfortable. I completely understand why it's so popular. I had a mid-trim truck, so the interior was okay. It didn't really blow me away. Ford's still kind of behind RAM when it comes to the top-tier trucks anyway. Okay. Uh, but there's tons of storage. The rear seats fold up really easy. Uh, I, I actually hauled a lot of stuff in the truck, not just... Um, not just tires. Not just had, the tires. Okay. Now, what else? What other? My life is. I'm not, no, I'm not going to tell you because you're just going to make fun of me about it. So like, oh, okay. sorry, but I'm closing that part of my life off to you. Okay. But here uh, we go. <laughs> it's it's a super useful vehicle. Uh, you feel like king of the road when you're driving it because it's so huge. But mm-hmm. I, I live in a city and it's difficult to park. And I've been a truck owner for many many years. But the trucks I've had were all smaller. They weren't four door trucks. They weren't four wheel drive. So they weren't as huge. And it, parallel parking the truck is difficult. Parking at 90 degree space in my alley is difficult. Um, you have to plan out your moves in traffic. So that's definitely a factor if you live in an urban area. You're going to want to maybe find a single cab, which is super hard to do these days. Okay, so the funnier thing about uh, what you mentioned is that new trucks today have so many sensors and uh, cameras, and they're they're designed to to make life easier on truck drivers. So even with all of these features, you found the truck still a bit of a handful in, in well, the, tighter the, spaces. The, the features are there, but the truck doesn't change the size of the truck. I mean, you still have to find a space the truck can fit into, first of okay, all. Okay, so physically finding a spot is yeah, but then rather than just like trying to no, but all maneuver the sensors, it into there. All the sensors in the world aren't going to help you back up in a tight alley because you still yeah. have to find a way to get into that spot, and it's just difficult. There okay. are situations where you won't be able to park the truck. That's going to happen. And uh, we're not even talking about things like indoor parking garages. Yeah, where... that, this is something I mentioned maybe two uh, two years ago. I had a Titan XD, um, and I, I was to – I believe the, the height of the car could not fit in my own uh, building's parking garage, and that was like – that was ridiculous. I found that to be completely um, – unreasonable right like i didn't think that that could be a reality well you just have to know i mean know your habits before buying one of these trucks you can't just buy one and assume it'll fit your lifestyle it's you you have to have a space in your lifestyle that's big enough to accommodate an enormous pickup um i want to actually share my recent i i i've had a truck experience recently do you want me to can i can i talk about it now or do you want to is it exciting uh a little bit so you know one of the major one of the major parts about trucking is towing trucking Uh, yeah, trucking. I think trucking is when you have an 18-wheeler. So what should we call pickup trucks? Just trucks? I don't know. Driving a truck? One of the biggest elements about driving a truck oh, is yeah. towing. Um, and well, it's something that I have... Hey, what, do you, what now? Well, I'm going to ask you, what percentage of truck owners tow? Apparently 75% of truck owners have towed at least once and apparently i don't know if i believe that that's what the that's that's what the research that gmc uh tells me about their denali owners uh their gmc sierra denali owners and about 30 percent of those people tow once a month which is uh which is a decent number i think um and that's exactly who I, who I was with this past week um we went over to utah and i went to a very uh i would it's not quite a trucking or towing school we didn't do much learning we just got to test some trucks that were loaded up 
We didn't uh, do much learning. Hashtag on the yes. automotive podcast. <laughs> but um, it wasn't. It was the first time I've ever had um, something towed or hitched up to the back of a truck, and um, it was my first experience doing all of that. So I have a couple of really quick things to ideas to share about that. But let me just get into the truck. This is a Sierra Denali. It's equipped with a 5.3 liter V8. It makes, uh, I think, 355 horsepower and 383 pound-feet of torque. So, so it's that's not... less than less than the 2.7 V6 in the. Uh, that's right. The F-150. And it will start at around fifty-four thousand dollars. And you know what? Even this Denali was missing a few important trim, um, uh, missing a few important features, even for towing. Um, for whatever reason, this didn't have trailer brake controllers um, on it. Which okay. I thought was would be a pretty important feature in, in a towing event. Yeah, I would agree with you. But uh, fortunately, I didn't have to. I didn't have to deal with anything like trailer sway, um, which is when trailer brake controllers really come into into play. From what I so understand, you're saying you're saying you got lucky. Yes, I, maybe I did. Um, but here's the thing: I, I I learned about it. You have to. You become so much more conscious about how, the vehicle you're driving and how much space you take up, and just like you were mentioning driving the F-150 around town, driving this uh, Sierra Denali, you just – you have to take things way slower. You have to rethink every single turn that you make in traffic or on the road just because you know that you I have an extra – almost an extra car's length or truck's length of behind me uh, that's articulated on a single joint there. It's, it's not just that though. It's also the fact you have all that weight. And when yeah, you have all that changes. weight – you yeah. can't stop as quickly, so you have to plan for that as well. Like that's so, you know people cut off trailers all the time and they don't realize that it's not like a car where you slam on the brakes and it's going to stop. That's not going to happen. Right. And so we had this we had these trucks loaded up with about five to six thousand pounds of weight. Two each truck was loaded with two Polaris uh, Razor side by sides, um, and um, it's a lot. It's a lot of weight. I, that's about twice the weight of the car and um, of the truck. And wait, <coughs> excuse me. Wait, no, no. It's five thousand pounds is not twice the weight of a of a pickup. Well, I, I'm sorry, I don't know the, the pickup. The pickup weighs at least five thousand pounds and cl- probably closer to six. Okay, so yeah, if I had enough, sorry, if I, I mean to say it's another truck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Sorry. Um, and yeah, the moment you put your foot down um, on that gas and you and you hear this V8, it sounds pretty decent. Most V8 sound pretty cool. But it's not, it just doesn't go anywhere, and I, it's it's really uh, an interesting disconnect there. Um, but beyond that, braking. Braking is such a significant change when you're towing that much weight. You really have to go deep into the brake pedal to even feel the car start, uh, the truck starting to slow well, down. Especially if you don't have a trailer brake controller. I was really surprised by, by that aspect of... Um, of learning to tow, the first few brakes were were like a wake up call. It felt like I wasn't doing anything at all when I was trying to come to a stop. So um, after a few more, you know, a few more miles on the on the road, you get far more comfortable with that. And I have to admit, I do like. There's a little bit of a slower pace to driving a car, a truck with um with a trailer on it. You have to be very slow and deliberate with every each with each of your movements. And um, and I thought. For a while, that became pretty enjoyable too. I can yes. see why people would do it, right? Well, they they do it because they. I mean, they they're not doing it for yes. pleasure. It's. Not, well, I mean, maybe there's like a trailer club where people just 
show up and tow because they're down for towing. Is that a, if that's a thing? Anyone out there in in our listener <laughs> Can let audience, know. if they're in a towing club that's just towing for the hell of it, I mean, let us know. <laughs> but I, I, you know, one of the things I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna break. I'm going to break the promise I made to myself, and I'm going to tell you one of the other things I hauled with the F-150, Ooh, and that was a 660 pounds of gravel um, to re-gravel my parking space. And that covers about three-quarters of a single car parking space. Okay. And uh, I had it stacked at the back of the truck, like in the bed at the far end. So if you think about it, 660 pounds, mm-hmm. that's like adding another three generously sized people inside the cab, right? Yeah. It's about but, a tenth of the – I mean, somewhere – just below a tenth of the weight of the car, right? I, I guess so. It, and I don't know what the cargo capacity is in that F-150. I want to, It's probably 1,500 pounds, probably. So I'm about half the cargo capacity. But I, the reason I'm saying this is because when you were talking about feeling it on braking, I felt that weight in mm-hmm. the F-150. And even though it was 660 pounds. Even though it was, yeah, it was just that. Yeah. But so much different where, than, yeah. It's where it is, too. Yeah. Like, it's not in the cab. It's not in the middle of the truck. It's way at the tail end. So it's just, mm-hmm. it changes the dynamics of your driving. It was it was a surprise, but I think I will be a little bit more confident um, towing a truck, uh, towing a trailer with a truck now. What about uh, just in what about just in life in general? Do you think like it's given you a little bit of a boost confidence wise? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if I can tow a truck, there. I mean, if I can tow a trailer with a truck, I'm sure there's uh, there's no limit to the things I can. Yeah, you, you could probably raise a child. Well, let's let's not get ahead of our, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I'm just having somebody move in this today, so I'm we'll work saying, on that in a minute. <laughs> don't be afraid of your biological destiny, Sammy. Right. Um, what else do you want to talk about here? I mean, there are a couple of things that I think are worth pointing out in the Sierra Denali. This is not a brand new truck. I was expecting actually to drive the 2019 GMC Sierra Denali before I finished reading the email that uh, the email invitation, and I was caught a little off guard. I really wish I had a more modern vehicle because this does not feel nearly as good as the Ram 1500 we drove, um, I think, last month it was. Well, well, I mean, few trucks feel as good as the Ram because the Ram has the the coil springs and the air suspension. I mean, you're not going to... Not only just feeling on the road, but I mean, being inside the vehicle just was not a very positive experience uh, in comparison to that. And I've been um, a colleague of mine truck uh, who, who test drives a lot of trucks. That's Stephen Elmer, uh, who is at the off, who's offroad.com. Um, I've seen a lot of those F-150s, and they are very well equipped. They are gorgeous inside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one I had though is I would I wouldn't say the 2018 that I was driving was better than a comparably priced Silverado or Sierra. So um, this this Sierra Denali, and I thought Denali is supposed to be the top trim level. It is, and it just did not feel like something that deserves that that qualifier uh there was a little bit of there were some stitched leather and it was kind of neat um but like accents were they were not impressive there really weren't and and i think if you're trying to make an impression especially in a luxury truck this was not a positive one one thing that surprises me too about denali now and it didn't used to be this way is the older denali trucks all came with the largest engine i think they all came with the 6.2 or the 6 liter or whatever was available at the time Mm -hmm. and now you can get the denali with the 5.3 like you had Mm -hmm. so you're not getting blown away by power either so yeah we have a denali that doesn't have the top engine doesn't have trailer brake controllers has an interior that could be better i mean let's be i'm being i'm being honest here it could be better um i will admit it looks good from the outside but the moment you step inside, there's a few um, there's a few things that could could be better. So you're saying that people, I mean, we have a new Sierra right around the corner, right? That's right. 
and I assume third quarter of this year, so in the fall sometime, we might actually see and drive that truck. You think people should wait? I, I definitely think they should wait, for sure. Um, this is not, it's not even, it, that's not a question. They should wait for the new truck. Or they should get one of these new Ram 1500s. Um, and even the new F-150 is, or the newer F-150 is much better equipped um, and has more engine options, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, well, yeah, that's true because it, 2019 is really the coming out party for Chevrolet and GMC in terms of mm -hmm. broadening the spectrum of what you can get. I mean, right now, with that, with the Denali, you can't get the V6, so there's just the 5.3 and the 6.2. Mm -hmm. But even if you were to, if you wanted to expand, you can't. It's just, there's just the 4.3 V6. That's that's it. It's a good motor, but I mean, Ford has like four or five motors, I think. Yeah. And Ram has, well, right now Ram only has the 5.7 and the 3.6. Yeah. Uh, so. But they're equipped with they're equipped with an, uh, a 48 volt electrical system that. Yeah, provides... not yet though. That's not out yet. That's that's still uh, that's not at dealerships. Okay. So we're still waiting for that. Right now, you can only get the the standard Hemi or the standard V6, the engines you could have got the year before. Mm. Um, and once that hybrid version comes, it'll be cool. But you still don't have the diesel anymore. That's kind of in limbo. We don't know what's going to happen. And there's no, uh, like, they don't have a second V8 like uh, GM does. And they don't have any turbo V6s like Ford does. So they're kind of in between, I think. Okay. Well, I, I do think that the GM fans should wait for the next truck um, or take a look um, across the street if they, can, if they can bear not having a GM product. Well, and you I, know, I... Yep. I think I can understand why they had you driving in the 18, though, because um, so much truck sale is driven by incentives. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen when the 2019s arrive is they're going to have to clear out inventory on 2018s. Prices are going to drop significantly. There's going to be a lot of discounting, mm -hmm. and they're going to want to get people in those vehicles. So they, I think getting the name out there, I mean, having us talking about it now, it's it's part of their strategy to to help that happen, I think. And we saw that actually happening with the 2018 Ram 1500. You have to admit these the incentives and the sales on these things were out of this world. You yeah, could, I think like, we saw fifteen twenty thousand dollars <laughs> off. Um, you could lease one for the price of uh, like the cost of a gas tank a week. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really 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 um, cutthroat. Mm -hmm. When you talk about getting people's butts in pickup truck seats, because ultimately they're caring about how many trucks are leaving, how many trucks are going out the door. It's a very important number. I'll also uh, throw in a little other experience that I had uh, on that GMC trip. We took those Razor side-by-sides up to the Coral Pink Sands uh, Park, and we got to drive some of them in the in these sands. And I'll admit, I haven't driven ATVs in, in the sand like that before. I'm not used to just so soft sand. And I ended up getting, um, not only did I get my ATV stuck, but I also got me and another uh, driver lost because he wanted to help me out. Fortunately, he was helping me out. We jumped did, you, did you have to eat someone to survive the night? No, but we, is we where did this have, is going? We did, no, we did have what felt like uh, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes of just pure panic driving around these dunes to not know where we were really heading to until we we saw a few like familiar landmarks and we just drove towards them and uh, and found our way around um this is did a helpful did a helpful animal come out of the desert and lead you to those landmarks yeah a spirit. like a coyote or something yeah, a spirit. and it, it looked over its shoulder and you made eye contact and in that moment you knew and it was voiced you knew by, Sammy. by johnny cash naturally you knew you'd be okay i knew 
Um, so that was, that was an enjoyable trip. Although I, I do wish that we had the new truck and I wish that I had time to tow with the 6.2 liter, uh, and a better equipped Denali. So, um, well, speaking of wishes, I mean, let's wish about next week. What are you going to be doing next week that people can hear about next week? I actually have a pair of cars that I'm going to be testing. These are two kind of quirky cars, the Kia soul with a 1.6 liter turbo and the Honda CHR, which has a 1.5 liter turbo. So two not quite crossovers, but not quite cars uh, that are front-wheel drive only, and I'm going to test them um, side by side. Well, next week I'm going to be driving the brand new 2019 Lexus ES. Interesting. So I'm curious to uh, I'm going to head down to Nashville and I'm going to drive that and come back and tell everyone all about it. So I don't know a lot about the car. I don't think it's significantly different from. I mean, we've 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 had information about the car out for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's significantly different mechanically than cars have been in the past. But I'm curious to see how they executed the this this version of the car, the, this model. Um, things like how quiet it is, how smooth it drives, and what kind of features it'll have. That's where I think Lexus is really making their push to differentiate in from other luxury cars. And it's a good call that you actually drove the S90 before the ES. I'm not sure if they're direct competitors, but they well, do I don't think have... they're even close. I, I I think it's a totally different buyer. I, I think the S90 is a, is an LS competitor from Lexus. But I will admit that Lexus has been uh, holding a benchmark in terms of interior quiet quietness and um, and luxury, and um, and comparing that to a Volvo is a pretty important uh, element of seeing how far Volvo's come recently too. So, so if you want to hear about not just what we're doing next week, but what we've done in the past, you can always go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and all of our episodes are there waiting for you to listen and, and be in, entertained and enthused and informed. And you can also go to, if you want to find us online in other areas, we're on Facebook at Unnamed Automotive Podcast. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, I believe, um, CastBox, Spotify, Google Play, all of mm-hmm. that fun stuff. I think Google Play is transitioning to YouTube Music. I guess we're going to be there too. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's lots of ways you can listen to our voices on a seemingly endless loop of 73 episodes. <laughs> Sammy, what if they want to get in touch with us though? Like, what if they want to break the cycle of one-way communication? I would recommend that they reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Uh, and Ben is at Hunting Benjamin. You can also email him. Uh, I don't do that. So, Ben, what's your email address? If you think Twitter is a cesspool, you can get a hold of me at Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Um, and that's it for us this week. Um, I wanted to know if anybody had a chance to listen to our bonus episode with the Veloster last week. And if you enjoyed that, we could do more of those. Just let us know. Either tweet us or email Ben, and uh, we'll get the message loud and clear. Yeah, and we we actually know that people were listening to it because we can see we can see the download statistics and people seem to be into it. But we want to hear if bonus episodes are a fun thing that you enjoy, where we're really focused on one vehicle or one experience. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>